Welcome to the Banegas West India podcast. Our focus is one health, one planet, one future. Our aim is health for all and leaving no one behind because Swast Bharat is Sampan Bharat. Derby's filmmaker Sean Axen's documentary All That Breathes has bagged the prestigious Loyal Dildor Award at the Cannes Film Festival 2022. also called the golden night is the biggest documentary award at the festival the 90 minute long documentary follows siblings mohammad saud and nadeem shehzad who have devoted their lives to rescue and treat injured birds especially the black kites the delhi brothers become the central focus of sen's film and their story documents a larger snapshot of the city where the air is toxic and the ground is on a slow burn of social turmoil Thank you so much uh, Shonak for joining us today and very very you know I mean we're really excited and congratulations uh, for the award. Thank you. Thank you. You know Shonak before we begin talking about this you know and I'm sure the excitement levels are really high with the award your last documentary Cities of Sleep focuses on seeing Delhi through the prism of sleep and the mafia uh, around it. You've also traveled quite a bit since then. But in all that breeds, you focus on wild creatures in Delhi and a rehabilitation center dedicated to saving them. What made you really zero on telling a story about these two brothers and their work on kites? I think the brothers came eventually. Uh, before that, the film began sort of started with the triangulation of three things. Uh, firstly, you know, it's I was interested in this texture of. Um, greenness that one encounters in the city constantly when you live in delhi you know the air is a kind of heavy concrete um, visceral tactile often oppressive kind of an entity right and you're constantly very conscious of breathing in things that are noxious and hostile to your sense of well-being so i was interested in that kind of a, like finding a sort of visceral uh, quality to the air apart from that every time you look up you have this kind of a greasy like a hazy gray a uh, monotone sky that's laminating the city entirely and in it are these tiny lazy dots uh, dots that are lighting constantly so um uh, which are the black kites so i was interested in this figure of a bird that's falling out of the sky and it felt uh, well naturally in the, at first instance uh, apocalyptic but above and beyond that it felt like it is some kind of a metaphor of the ecological malaise of the city apart from that i was also very interested in the human animal relationship as a kind of site of philosophical inquiry so i was conceptually inter- interested in it so we started looking for people who have a kind of uh, deep or a profound relationship with the skies or with birds and that's when we first encountered the work of the brothers and once you've gone to their house and gone to that damp derelict basement where there's sort of industrial decay on one side and there's these magisterial birds being treated on the other mm. it's very inherently cinematic you know the sheer salient bipolarity of those two places mm-hmm. and I, i was i got very interested in the brothers because they have a kind of um, philosophical uh, disposition towards climate change that marked me that that felt to me to be very refreshing and different because it's not like you know a lot of environmental discourse is either saddled with a kind of um sentimentalism or it has a kind sure. of bleak gloom and doom um sort of narrative towards the inevitable ap- ap- apocalypse that we're all heading towards mm-hmm. and the brothers of course they live they have the kind of 
front row seats to the apocalypse, so to say. They're literally treating birds falling off the sky. Yeah. But they have a kind of wry resilience, you know. They have a kind of put your head down and get on with the work sort of a thing, which felt very refreshing to me. So that's when we started. And I shot them nonstop for three years while also shooting um, wildlife in the city, like different animal, non-human lives in the city. So um, that's all. Been pro- Once you begin, it's like a free fall, right? It's like a, As it has its own momentum. Whatever comes, yes. In fact, that was my ne- next question, which I wanted to ask you was how did you find the brothers? But you did tell us you were on a lookout for people who were actually working. But just going back, what were your thoughts on making them, you know, the main subjects in your film and what also how to decide what angle to take in the story? Well, I mean, uh, these things always seem bigger in prospect, but suffer in retrospect. Uh, when you when you begin, what happens is that you have a kind of conceptual scaffolding that's undergirding everything that you're doing. For me, it was I was interested in the air, or the experience of the air, or this vague sense of like uh, ecological, like being at the brink of some kind of a collapse. Okay. That we all, I think, feel with the environment in the city. But it's also, of course, a city that one deeply loves. And one is embedded in the vernacular and colloquial cultures of it. So it's also laced as much with a kind of affection and interest and deep engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside this was the brothers and their, honestly, like surreal life and everyday, like the day-to-day lives of them. So we started shooting like that. And um, my interest was not in making a pedantic, observational uh, verite documentary that's purely sociological but mm-hmm. making something that was cinematic that was poetic and uh, lyrical and interested in denser uh, philosophical questions mm-hmm. and the brothers lives are you know are ripe with it they're constantly replete with it so we i had the good fortune of working with a very well-known german cinematographer and then an indian cinematographer called uh Das. but this german cinematographer uh, ben bernhardt came in and that's when we decided to sort of the structure was that we stick to this tiny, damp, dingy basement where the brothers work with the injured work. And that cuts to the broader vistas of the city itself. You know, yeah. So we keep sort of the homing in on the very specific and particular lives of the brother brothers was a kind of like lens into zooming out into the broader vistas of the city. The larger, so yeah. That kind of extreme compression and decompression was the grammar of the film. Okay, so that's what was a treatment as well. Yeah, I mean, that became a kind of editing structure. It became a kind of uh, cinematic vocabulary. And I think it also became the kind of conceptual linchpin of the film. And I I guess that's the reason, you know, for the award. I mean, the way it's come out. In terms of your learning, uh, Shonak, if I can ask you, what were some of the important things which you've learned? Obviously, when I talk about even the importance of kites in a landscape, uh, urban landscape like Delhi, what are the issues you feel, uh, you know, are being faced by these uh, predatory birds today? I mean, uh, that's like quite a bit. But um, I mean, things that are worth signposting immediately is that so the black kite, if I'm not mistaken, has suddenly, it's the densest population of the black kite in the world right now. In That has to do with a bunch of things. I think it has to do with a lot of um, uh, food because of the landfill and so on. But at the same time, just like, uh, like uh, its urban career is thriving. But at the same time, it's also uh, like the number of black kites that you see today, if you speak to the brothers, Nareeman uh, Saud will tell you that it's also increasing day by day. Yeah. So, you know, like 
urban ecology is a fascinating thing right now because more and more of the world is becoming urbanized and however we think of uh, nature as that which is happening in the forests or jungles outside or in the seas or something that's happening inside the body not as a city thing but the city itself is a foundational kind of a uh, place within which a lot of behavioral changes and in fact now experts say evolutionary changes are being triggered and activated in uh, animal life so uh, songbirds are singing at a, a higher pitch so that their mates can hear them over the sound of traffic all kinds of you know like um, you look at behaviors of lizards rodents different kinds of things where behavior is changing because of the city itself the city is a kind of uh, habitat that's foundationally transforming a lot of you know from light pollution etc which is changing behavior in the night and so on so the city as a site of um changes evolutionarily philosophically conceptually is a major kind of a, a thing so and that's what i was also interested in and i think that what you pointed out the way things are changing it's difficult for the species different species to evolve as well you know whether it's you know somewhere we i mean somewhere we've kind of taken over their space we also see that in a couple of other places we in fact i was reading somewhere even at the sundarbans you know for the tigers it's become more difficult now so shona you've also said in the past that the film began you know as a project initially to uncover the stories of these two brothers but it ended up about being uh, about our fragile ecosystem well i would uh, you know conversely i don't think it was uh, ever about uncovering the brothers life but okay not in so far as it was about uh, fi- being interested in these broader more zoomed out issues mm-hmm. of the ecology of birds human animal relations relation between the sky and the city of delhi and so on. and the brothers themselves became a kind of uh, vectors to instantiate those things and the, of course the specificity of their lives has a kind of blunt force that overpart everything else but that's how the film uh, began what was truly exciting was i began with a simple question with a deceptively uh, nominal question of that of it being how why do the brothers do what they do and i don't think they have an answer and i don't think so the film was an exploration of that of why people have a kind of a incipient cruel optimism that drives them to do things in life even against all odds without it ever sort of flapsing into a kind of maudlin sentimental sort of a thing so that's what i was interested in i was interested in i want people to walk to the theater and look up at the skies i want to enchant the skies and uh, you know i've got messages from people since the sundance and the cannes screening saying that we started whenever we're looking at birds we're thinking of your film and that's the kind of thing that i'm interested in you know it's yeah. like that's the power and the charm and the aura of filmmaking where it can make even something as ordinary as a black kite it can make it wondrous and otherworldly and the idea was to try and take the searing burning uh, hypnotic ravenous love that the brothers have for the black kite and transfer it and distill it on screen and hopefully when people walk out they have that kind of there's something magical about that you know like yeah. and i think you put that across out. magically for sure i mean if you know if people are actually thinking i mean i think that's that's really well put across do you think documentary filmmakers can help raise awareness about such social and ecological issues through their lenses because the impact of course is huge right i think so it's about how one pegs the word uh, message hmm. i hate the word solution there's nothing that i despise or loathe more than the word what is the solution that the film offers the film is not meant to be a pamphlet it's not meant to be like a hmm. uh, you know like a bullet which is uh, which shovels 
or crowbars in uh, you know pedantic or utilitarian simple uh, solutions i think a film has to move people and not be Im- immediately transparent in terms of what it's saying and what it does is that it makes it's like opens the blinkers in some ways and over time you sort of uh, get attuned to things or orient your visual scape to the world slightly different that's what i think the best films that i've really loved have done that i keep going back to a fantastic film and every time i see it, it does something it tweaks with your uh, cultural dna you know it's like hacks it's like a good film okay. is a good yeah. horse so uh, that's how i mean i'm interested in if you mean messages i mean uh, messages that are snuck and smuggled in like uh, like a trojan horse in that sense but of course in an obvious sense it is about the ecology and it's about the birds and it's about the brothers and it's about mm-hmm. life but uh, hopefully it transcends into doing more things than that more things than that i'm sure um shona like in the larger discourse around climate change do you think we're missing the significance of you know the role of other species whether it's birds insects i mean they all play an important role in uh, maintaining the fragile ecological balance of course i mean uh, of course but obviously the uh i think one of the problems of environmental discourse to some degree some kind of some kinds of environmental discourse is that it's been overtly humanist in that it sees the causal agent also as um being the most significant in terms of like uh, you know life itself is a kind of kinship we have a kind of close neighborliness to other species and the film also essentially is about entanglements and the deep kind of like you know like neighborly uh ties that we have with things so like in the film somebody says that uh, uh we are all a community of air and uh, i think it's good to hold on to that kind of a you know one has to decenter the human as the absolute reference point mm-hmm. in the, a lot of environmentalism sort of um frames or stages the uh, human as the be all and end all and the absolute reference point on which these debates are negotiated and i think that needs to be changed a bit okay just a last question how is your life and the lives of the brothers changed since the since the release of the film it's uh, completely uh, altered i mean release of the film is a tricky question because you don't really know when it released per se right mm-hmm. so uh, i mean right now i'm super jet lagged i arrived uh, in india uh, uh, yesterday night Mm-hmm. uh so i'm running on an enormous sleep deficit and so on but i mean no complaints we're all of course besides ourselves the other film premiered at sundance uh, virtually though and we won the grand jury award there and then uh, had the great fortune of playing at can and look for me as a cinephile and somebody who loves like we were playing there in the same section that we were in there were films by one of the coen brothers there was uh, the argentinian uh, the chilean great filmmaker uh, Uh, Patricio Guzman, there's Sergei Lozmitsa, like real big wigs, you know, like real heavyweights in terms of uh, films. So it was absolutely like for me, I was very uh, starry-eyed. Um, for the brothers themselves, also, I mean, I was very to have the brothers there with us on the red carpet, mm. to have the standing ovation after, and for people coming and you know, exp- like you don't have to say anything. People's faces when they come and see what the brothers have done. completely of their own volition for 15 years straight uh, is uh, like that i always look when making a film the process is the reward yeah the making of the film is the reward and everything else is confetti on top but this moment when the lights first come up and the audience stands up to clap and sort of give honor to the brothers that has a kind of special kind of incentive for everything so, and we shot we spent 3 years shooting the film so like you know it was no 
quick in and out kind of a thing so uh, it it felt like it was the sort of thing that this creative enterprise needed as its uh, ending but i mean we've just hit the road uh, sanlat san can is a great thing we'll do the festival rounds uh, we'll screen as much as we can so let's see i mean it's still ongoing of course no no this is amazing and the sheer hard work i mean of course they've been doing it for 15 years 3 years is again like you said it's a it's a long time the determination the commitment and i think more more importantly putting it out there putting the right thing again i won't use the word message and solutions but i think just making sure that the that a uh, you know the viewer connects i think with the story that's also really really important and wishing you all the very best uh, shana thank you so much for speaking with us it's been a pleasure thank you so much thank you that's it on the banega swast india podcast this week if you have comments queries or suggestions on the topic we discussed today or issues you would like us to cover in future write to us on bsi podcast at the rate ndtv.com remember bsi stands for banega swast india You can also connect with us on Banegas West India handles on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and continue the conversation through the week. Till next week this is Ambika Singh Kama signing off. Stay healthy and stay safe.